0: Let's begin our teaching today. We're starting a brand new series called Viva la Revolution, long live the revolution. We're talking about the revolution of Christianity and how it completely reshaped and reformed religion. Now, it's important to start somewhere else before we can get to that. Let's talk about sequels. The sequel is obviously what comes secondary. And movies have given us amazing sequels. Uh, I can think of uh, Bill and Ted's, we had Excellent Adventure Into Bogus Journey, Captain America Winter Soldier, The Empire Strikes Back, The Godfather II or even Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. Sequels are important because they help us understand and progress a story, the first movie always tells us the story and gives us a cliffhanger. It gets all the important stuff in there, the point and what's important, but it always leaves us wanting more. The second, the sequel. This is what ties things together and oftentimes it brings us into the story by progressing the characters, progressing the storyline and we begin to identify with them and feel like we're maybe part of the story too because it asks us to invest something. It invests our time, our energy, our heart, our soul. It becomes familiar to who we are as we identify with the story. Now, the book of Acts is a sequel. The book of Acts is a sequel to the book of Luke, both in the New Testament and both written by one person, Dr. Luke. To understand Acts, we need to understand Luke a little bit. Luke was uh, an incredible historical figure. And he was a historian. He was a historian who loved to write. And he was more than that, he was also an artist. Luke was an icon painter. Christian tradition holds that he painted the, the Black Madonna painting. And it was through his times in these painting sessions with Mary that he began to understand details of the life of Christ early on. And he was able to give us those details in the book of Luke. Uh, Rumor has it as well in Christian tradition that he had a whole illustrated narrative of the gospel that he produced, as well as little miniatures to tell the story alongside of that. His writings were unique as well as he really emphasized the equality between men and women in his writings. And we see that in the book of Luke where he gives a prominent role to women in the story of Jesus as well in Acts as we're going to discover over the coming weeks where it wasn't just male figures, it was female figures who pushed the revolution forward and took us to a brand new level. The book of Luke and the book of Acts were both written to the same audience. We're assuming that it is a well-educated audience, but there's another indication we have as both books were addressed to a person. The person's name was Theophilus. Now, the problem with Theophilus is we don't have a historical figure that has been proven To be theophilus the word in greek however means loved by god uh, lover of god or friend of god so if we consider ourselves friends of god let's consider then this morning that luke and acts were written to us to enjoy they were written to us to understand the person of christ and his revolution and his mission so today Luke wrote the book of Acts for us to explore. Friends of God. The book of John tells us that we're friends of God. So following his gospel, there as well are some similarities that we can look at. Number one was the audience. Number two was the the female prominence. Um, But let's take it one step further. The book of Acts is different in this way. It is our only New Testament example of a historical writing. So we've got gospels, we've got letters, we've got epistles, we've got all of this stuff happening in the New Testament, but the book of Acts is our only historical book. And it was written in the Greek Old Testament style of the Septuagint that kind of tells us that Luke knew he was writing something special. To mimic this style, he assumed that this would take a pivotal and prominent place in telling the story of Christianity, the story of the beginnings of the Christian church, the story of the beginning of the revolution. Viva the revolution. Long live the revolution. Christianity is a revolution starting in a religious and socioeconomic world that didn't want it to exist, but desperately needed it to exist. A revolution is a sudden shift in power. It is suggested that a revolution needs four things to exist. A dissident set of elites, uh, people who can gather critical mass and resources to push the tide. Uh, mass frustration amongst the people, shared motivation for something to change, and a state of crisis. Now, this is unique because our story is a little different than a traditional revolution. It's not sudden, but it's slow, and it's still growing in power daily. There was no elites pushing this agenda, They were fishermen and carpenters. They're nobodies who got everything started. It was an organic revolution that stuck. Now, there was freedom fighters along the way who would pop up in history before and during the time of Christ who would try to, to take their stake as the Messiah and start their own revolutions, but they all fizzled out. Do you remember back for you Office fans, Dwight became salesman of the year, and he had to give a speech. And so Jim went ahead and prepared for him some notes, and he took quotes from famous dictator speeches from history. And Dwight gets up, and he puts together this this speech and pounds his fists and makes this massive declaration in his speech and everyone loses their minds and cheers and is excited for Dwight's speech. A revolution and a revolutionary needs a cause and it needs statements. It needs something that sets it apart. It needs something that sets that person apart as a leader. Now I've been in Cuba where the, the dictator, the leader got up and I've been in that spot where millions would gather and he would give these seven hour long speeches. Now you either gotta be really good or really scary to keep a million people captive. Yes, captive for seven hours like that's a long time to sit through somebody talking i couldn't do it but jesus gives us this statement and jesus gives us the cole's notes of the book of acts before it was even fully written out and so we look at that in acts 1 8 acts 1 8 if you're not going to read the book of Acts along with us, um, Acts eight is going to give you your summary if you're ready for it. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on the earth. That is a big statement. You're gonna be my messengers everywhere you go. So if we take the concept of Theophilus and we take Acts 1-8 and we put them together, this is the Fisher commentative version of this passage. To you friends of the revolution, my Holy Spirit will work through you so you can tell my story and teach its message everywhere Your feet can travel. Many argue that the book of Acts is about the story more than the theology. The speeches that were recorded, they were recorded to fit into ancient framework. We talked about the Septuagint. Even the general senses of messages. So you take the story of Cornelius and the angel in Acts 10. It is... Humorous, almost, how the details were recorded and what was included and what was not included. Let's take uh, Acts 10.22. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation this morning. Acts 10.22. So listen to the wording in this scripture. They answered, We serve Cornelius a Roman military captain who sent us to find you. He is a devout man of the highest integrity who worships God and is respected throughout the Jewish community. He is divinely instructed through the appearance of an angel to summon you to his home and listen to his message that you would bring him." That's a lot of detail to pack into one small area of scripture. Now think of it like this. So. Um, If you're a parent and you know your kid is doing something wrong in their room, they're coloring on the wall or, I don't know, giving the cat a haircut, and you know this is happening and you're coming around the corner and you want to give them some warning, you would come around the corner and be like, I'm walking around the corner now. My feet are walking in the hallway. I am headed towards your room. I hope I don't catch you doing anything wrong in there as I walk around this corner. It's those statements that we make, we overshare, we give a ton of information, and it seems somewhat unnatural because you wouldn't say these things coming around the corner. And at the same time, you wouldn't pack that much information into a statement that you're giving to someone else. But yet, as Luke records these different stories, he makes these giant announcements to move the story along. He's straight to the point. Now, because of, because of all of this, there, there were specific things that he included, but there was also things that he omitted. And a lot of that is our earthly standards that we measure things against. Now, we measure things in church world with, um, we call it bums and bucks. Uh, So we measure how many people are in a room, how many people are watching, how many people attended this event, and we also measure uh, how many people gave, how much was given, all those different things. We, We like to know bums and bucks as far as was something successful or was it not successful. Those are the earthly standards that we put to most things. Now, Luke didn't really do that when he was measuring success. Take Paul's ministry, for for example, and you can read all through this later, but Paul's ministry, once it got going, um, there was this, this gathering in Derby, and so Acts 14, 21, and a large number of disciples were created, but there's only one sentence in the book of Acts about what happened in Paul's ministry there. But then we go a little bit further, we go Acts 17, 16 to 34. So this was a a happening in Athens. There was very few new converts, but there is 19 verses of detail moving the story forward of what happened. Luke was focused on the story and the overarching commentary of the actions bringing us into the sequel as part of the story. He showed that anyone can be part of the revolution. And maybe because of all this, we can see how our journey on earth is massively part of God's journey. The gospel of Luke taught us the message. The book of Acts invites us into the journey by showing how others lived it out in their daily lives. This study of stories from the book of Acts is going to invite you. It's going to invite you to understand your part of the revolution through the lives and characters in scripture. And I want to show you how living your daily life Your seemingly ordinary life is a massive part of the Christian story. It's a massive part of how we're continuing the revolution and we're continuing to move forward. The revolution that we are part of is much bigger than anyone could ever understand. When we work through the book of Acts together, I want you to remember this that you're gonna get out what you put into it. You're gonna do the reading. You're you're gonna be following along. You're gonna be reading through the gospels to understand what all needed to happen. What you put in is what you're gonna get out of it. And you might need to adjust some of your filters and your preconceived ideas along the way. Now, I encourage you to try reading along in the, the church reading guide that we've put. You click on the website. There's a tab that says January. There's a January little magazine on there. There's a reading guide in there for the New Testament. We're going to read through it this year. And we're going to reference back to this a lot. So go ahead and download that and start reading along. It's a chapter a day. It will not take you long. And by the end of the year, you'll have read through the entire New Testament with us as a church. And that's an accomplishment on its own, and it's awesome. But I want to encourage you to try reading through a different version than you normally read through. Now, next week on Open Mic with Mike, which you can watch on Facebook on Thursday evenings, um, I'm going to talk about Bible translations, Bible versions, and what's important to kind of discover and how to tell what's a good one for you. So check that out and hopefully that's helpful for you. We all have preconceived ideas as we read through the Gospels. We all have preconceived ideas when we hit Acts. A lot of people look at it, it's just this historical document and that's all it is. And you read through it so that you can get to the good stuff. I want you to read through Acts a little differently. I want you to look at it with this filter in mind. The book of Acts and its main character are of utmost importance because that main character is still Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ that inhabits the church. It's the spirit of God that that breathes into our lungs. The spirit of God is written all over the book of Acts. Jesus is alive. He is alive in the pages of the book of Acts. He is alive in your life. I want you to read through keeping Christ as the central character of the book of Acts. And I think you will be amazed at how you kind of look at things a little bit differently. Your filters change, your preconceived ideas changed. It is the story of Jesus Christ continued. It is the sequel. Friend of God, as we get ready to conclude this morning, the the statement, friend of God, For some of you, that's an easy thing to say. You have no problem uttering those words, I am a friend of God. For some of you, that's a hard statement to make. It's tough to utter that. It's tough to say, I'm a friend of God. I want to invite you this morning to understand this that today is a day where. The Spirit of God is calling you. If you're listening to this, he's working on your heart. He's saying statements to you. And maybe it's time to start listening. You can be a friend of God today. As we start this series and we start looking at how to live out our lives in a Christian way, how to live out our lives that affect the revolution, that affect society around us, I invite you to become a friend of God. We've already taken communion this morning but I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to letting the revolution overtake your life, to letting the Holy Spirit into your heart. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and if you've never prayed this before, today's your day or maybe it's been a long time and you've walked away and you're tuning in today, today's your day. Today's your day to make things right with Jesus and to get back on track with the journey that he has for your life. So pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins. I thank you that you are going to wash me clean. I give you my heart today and I ask you to make it new. I ask you to give me your peace, to give me your spirit, to give me everything I need in you. I repent of my sins and I acknowledge that you are the one true God. I acknowledge that you are my king and I want you to sit on the throne of my life. In Jesus name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, please connect with us. We wanna touch base with you this week. We wanna talk with you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna resource you in your Christian life and welcome you to the family, welcome you to the revolution. I wanna close by saying this today, and I don't know who this is for. um, Maybe it's for everyone, but please know that you are loved above all else you are loved we pray for you guys we we think about you guys we are here for you and if you ever need us please call the church please email us send in those prayer requests and send in those praise reports we want to be celebrating with you too this is a good day god is still on the throne it doesn't matter what COVID's doing it doesn't matter the unrest in the world Our God is in control, and the only revolution that matters is the revolution that he set forward when he was on earth, the revolution of his kingdom. So thanks for joining us today. We will see you guys next week.